Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Hello and welcome to Asian Cinema Film Club. This is episode 97 and I'm your host as always, the man of a thousand grudges, Elwood Jones. And joining me of course is my co-host, the professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Only a thousand grudges. Only. Gonna have some time <laughs> in the day for like watching Netflix and Solar Opposites. Um, tonight's episode is something a little special as uh, tonight we are going to be covering... A legendary cat-free movie with Naked Killer. Yeah, sorry, I was just che- I was just checking the uh, the order then with the naked things. Um, yeah, and 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 that will complete our naked trilogy. And we also have our very first edition of Euro Roulette, as we have received our first nomination from Mark via our lo lo-fi fund. Um, if you want to go into lo-fi and if you buy us free coffees you too can pick the movie that we watch and Mark has chosen tonight's movie which is A Scene at the Sea by Beat Takashi Katana yeah this is the double header you'd never have predicted A Scene at the Sea and <laughs> Naked Killer <laughs> what <laughs> the, the two at the two opposite ends of Asian cinema um, yes but yes Thank you, Mark. Uh, Suggesting something. That's great. We love we do. viewer inter- interaction. Um, or listener interaction, sorry. Because believe you me, you don't want to see us. Certainly, I would say <laughs> that when it has come to reaction, I think that everyone enjoyed A Face of Another, looking at our socials more than I think you did, Stephen. Yeah, I was, we were talking before the show. I, th- I Obviously, my um, my reputation as the lover of the... Uh, the fine arts. Avant-garde. The avant-garde and the cineast and the guy who loves his Mubai um, subscription more than anybody in the world is is doomed, isn't it? <laughs> they find out I didn't connect with it. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. They'll be more surprised than they find out you did. <laughs> I think always like to keep things interesting. Um, Indeed. Talking about Mubai, um, the new Zhang Zimu movie is now exclusively hosted by them there. Is it now? I think it's... I can't remember the... The exact title. Okay. It looks, from what I've seen in the trailer, like his version of Cinema Paradiso, so I'm very excited to see it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I I haven't watched it yet. Yes, but I know what you mean. I can't remember what it's called. But uh, ironically, uh, so here's a bit of a behind the scenes. We've had a couple of weeks off from recording because I had some things to do. One of the things I did manage to do was watch Cinema Paradiso for the first time ever. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was on my Cinema Shame list. And... Um, all my streaming platforms were pumping it at me. Oh, what a fantastic movie that is. Did you watch the extended version or the original one? Because there's I some contention. The, I watched the original. I'm aware of the extra 25 minutes. And I read up on what they were. And I thought, you know what? I don't need that. Because this <laughs> is like... Because <laughs> this thing, because it's Harvard Cartel who cut out those 25. And mm-hmm. we all know what the cartel being, obviously... You don't mean Harvey no. Cartel. 
We know that um, Harvey Weinstein cut out those 25. <laughs> no, but I really like the idea of Harvey Keitel also cutting movies. Harvey Keitel's not a star. He's a planet. <laughs> the, He's not. <laughs> the director of the, the uh, big red one yeah. when uh, Tarantino was like, Saying who's in his his debut film, and he's all like, "Okay, kid, who's in your picture?" And he's all like, "Well, I got Harvey Keitel." And it's like, "Who are you to have Harvey Keitel in your first film? <laughs> he's not a star; he's a planet." Um, but but like. yeah, yeah. So I, it's a really good film. I know, I know, I know. The director's cut is what the director wanted. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I think we've said this a couple of times. Sometimes studios do know best. Um, I just thought it, yeah. Basically, the director goes and meets the girl and shags her in his car, and you just think, well, that kind of misses the point, doesn't it? <laughs> it's made the story about the wrong person. Um, but yeah, no, really, I, you know, I, I do like Italian movies, um, but I just somehow I just, I just missed it off. But I had this opportunity for reasons that I couldn't walk for two days, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, um, I'll do lots of catching up. Oh. And uh, yeah, really good, yeah. really good. So Sang Jimmy Jamu has got a yes, one movie second. in that, um, and the new Park Chan Wook is also, I believe, having the distribution handled uh, for Mumbai as well. I yes, I think you're right. I happen to have a copy of that already that I've yet to watch. Aren't you lucky? Mm, we shall see. We shall see. Um, but um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that is Mumbai as well. Um, so how did we get to Mumbai? Oh yes, I remember. Yes, I love, I love it. Oh, there's been some brilliant short films on there recently as well but i'll maybe we'll talk about that next time because <laughs> i i feel i feel this could become a seven hour episode very quickly <laughs> but uh as we said uh tonight we're going to kick off with our first ever viewer roulette um as if uh you would like to uh take part and uh or donate to the show you can through our ko-fi fund uh which is uh available at the bottom in the episode description there just so it says support the show or you can go to our website asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com and uh, click the support the show there or alternatively uh, you can just help support the show by leaving us a review hitting the subscribe button sharing it with your friends or spamming your enemies it all helps raise the profile of the show but for our first uh, selection we have a scene at the sea which i personally hadn't seen before and this one comes in a weird time during uh, Katano's sort of directing career because he, if I remember right, he was coming off boiling point at this one and it was right before he made Sonatine. So it's right between gangster flicks for him that he makes this sort of slice of life drama about a garbage man who's deaf, who discovers a discarded surfboard and sets out to become a champion surfer. So Stephen, I mean, what did you make of this one? So I haven't seen it before either. In fact, I hadn't heard of it. And I've got to be honest, um, we talked about Hannah by Fireworks, didn't we? We did, yeah. Um, we didn't cover it on the show as a film, though, did we? we no, we, came up. we just mentioned it as... Uh, oh, I'd watched watching. it, hadn't I? Yeah, 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 that's right. So, yeah, this is his third film. Well, one of the things we have to remember about um, Katano is that in Japan, and we talk about this ad nauseum on our Battle Royale chapter by chapter... He's famous for being a comedian yes. and a sort of TV entertainer. And actually, his films weren't particularly... They weren't they weren't a big thing. So he, he obviously did the first two films, which were sort of 
most of his films, let's face it, have some kind of gangster or cop territory. Yeah, he um, did Violent Cop and he did Boiling Point, which was his first yeah. two films. And... And, and and I think Boiling Point had got this reputation of it maybe he's gone a bit over the top. Um, and this is like a complete reverse. It's like this beautiful... It's not silent film, but it's almost like a silent film. <laughs> um, with... Uh, who's the who's the Korean director Kim Ki Duk? Yes, know, who does all these films with very little dialogue? It, it's like a Kim Ki Duk film, except there's no grossness involved. There's no there's no cop chopping or or fish hook stuff or anything like that. It's it's really really charming, and you can see in the in the way he's filmed he has these really long takes doesn't he and sometimes the camera kind of lingers maybe five seconds longer than you'd expect and there's a lot of stuff where cameras just on people's faces or miles away it's 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 a real sort of exercise in filmmaking and it just i don't know i don't know if he's trying to make a point or something like that i thought it was charming that's the long and short of it um i guess we'll talk about it a little bit more what did you think of it i really enjoyed this it's as i say it's a slice of life drama so there's no real big sort of action scenes at all you're just basically following this guy um his name's uh, shigeru and he's played here by, by Claude Maggie. Um, and he's followed around by his equally mute girlfriend, uh, here played by Hiroki Oshimi, uh, who plays uh, Take... Uh, Takeoko. I'm going to apologise right away that I'm going to probably miss Pounce a lot because Japanese is hard. But uh, as you said, this is a film which has those prolonged takes it reminded me a lot of Beast Cops in a way it's sort of like how the camera would linger on a scene longer whereas in Beast Cops you had the payoff where you would have like a character give a surprising interaction such as when Anthony Wong's character is having the discussion with his girlfriend and she wanders off and it lingers on his face a little longer and he just says I love you but we don't get that with this film it's just we're just basically observers in this world. We're like, much like everyone else in this this film. Everyone is watching somebody else, and nobody's doing it for any sort of justification other than their own personal growth or journey. And certainly, it's very much the case in the with our lead. As I say, he doesn't talk. He just sort of sets out with this goal. He finds this discarded surfboard that he repairs, and he does like a. A patch job where he attaches a piece of styrofoam to re- miss, replace the uh, the top, but he doesn't have a wetsuit. He doesn't know how to surf. He just decides, I've got a surfboard. I'm going to go in the ocean. I'm going to figure this out myself. And this is to much to the amusement of the other surfers who are just like think he's kind of nuts. But he keeps coming back every day, and he's out there and he's surfing, and slowly he's earning the respect and he gains the attention of kind of like the father figure of these uh, surfers who also runs the local surf shop he was a bit of a surf legend in his day and now he sort of like spends his days uh just watching the other surfers and he sort of gives him a uh a wetsuit and uh he's this this guy is just basically working his way uh slowly into this group and with the end coming at this tournament that he enters but this isn't like a, a Hollywood story at all. We're not like he's not going to come out. And he's going to defy the odds and be the underdog here. It's not that sort of story. It's just about the pursuit of just something that it is really kind of like uh, the pursuit of enjoyment. So like Requiem for a Dream, but just not as harrowing at the end. 
although it is sad at the end. Um, oh we'll yes, I mean. A little bit. <clears throat> but yeah, you just just you know, make the point. This is not about um, this is not a film about a a poor disabled boy that suddenly becomes the surfing champion of Japan, right? He 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 just enters some local competitions <laughs> at the beach yeah. and, and 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 but he sort of silently inspires others. He becomes accepted in a group. Um, There's a lovely interaction between him and his girlfriend, <coughs> where you know they can't speak or hear each other. And sometimes it looks like she's a little bit just following her around and doing stuff, but other times you see she's utterly supportive of him. There's this, there's that lovely um, montage at the end, which fills in all the gaps in their relationship. <laughs> it's just, yeah, and but it feels. Lots of people speak in this movie, but it, the, the, it is sort of the dialogue is sparse. Beautiful music by um, Joe Hishiyashi. Which who, seems to have been inspired by the Pet Shop Boys, I'm Not Scared. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Every time but I heard you, it, like, so it was sort of like, my mind was just going straight to, I'm not scared. <laughs> and I was like, but hey, this, I think this film starts the pair of them working together in a lot of um, Kitano's films. And of course, he's also the composer for a whole bunch of um Miyazaki Ghibli films he is Spirit he's away my neighbor Totoro Princess Mononoke you know he's he's the man behind the music between all those great films and so it's really nice but it is yeah it is it is a bit like 90s Euro pop isn't it <laughs> oh the soundtrack is yeah it's just this like yeah. one track that will like appear and it'd be during like a, a key stage of his his evolution in this this journey that he's on it'd be like him just walking along with the surfboard and stuff it's never like some triumphant moment it's just like still going it's just these random moments it would like pop up in but um no the soundtrack is very sort of charming it's not invasive as well and Mm. as you said it's just it's interesting like how he inspires like the the kids who are like playing football at the start and they're throwing rocks at him I don't know if they know he's deaf and or or not. Or they just well, not 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 much is explained. But yes, I'm guessing everyone knows the weird deaf boy, and they're doing it on purpose. He doesn't seem to give a monkeys, does he? But um, yeah, because he inspires them, and they kind of have a mirrored story to his. Because they but... go and get a surfboard, and then they start yeah. <laughs> trying to go surfing as well. So, but then the stories never really cross over, but. Obviously, they have dialogue with each other, and just, they do things that he doesn't do. But it's—I just kind lovely. of assumed with their story, it's sort of like because we all have this fear of like starting new things, and suddenly as you get older, you, that fear only sort of grows, doesn't it? It's sort of like oh, you put things off, and you don't—you're afraid to try stuff, and then they see him doing it, and the fact that he's not instantly great at it—he's terrible, in fact—and spends a lot of time drowning himself. But the fact he's just out there having fun and just doing it it's sort of like you know we can go and do this it doesn't matter if we're not the best at this uh you know maybe we'll be slightly better than this guy <laughs> so yeah and 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 also there's the location it's it, i i don't know where it's set i don't know if we've given clues or you know if we could read japanese we'd understand but it's it's, it's like a it feels like south end <laughs> to give it a, a british um a British tinge, you know, a sort of a rundown seaside town. There is clearly a surfing little community there, but you don't see loads of people on the beach other than the surfers, right? It just feels very 
rural rather than urban um so it's got this whole i don't know i i was imagining every day it's like sunday by morrissey being played <laughs> somewhere <laughs> That'd be on pretty it. Cool. but but i but you know it, it's got it it reminds me of a lot of british films in that regard it didn't feel particularly japanese it felt almost european which is ironic because i think you know i think europe has embraced katano's filmmaking far more than the japanese did certainly initially it's got this yeah it's just this and it would i don't know it would have made a lovely animation as well but see that yeah but the acting by two people who don't say anything to each other the fact you can just look in you sort of watch them and you you see them thinking it's really hard to explain. That's, I, I I wasn't expecting to like this as much at all. And but I was drawn into this lovely whimsy and I was devastated at the end <laughs> when it went somewhere which of course I should have expected because I'm thinking about the end of of Hannah by of fireworks. He does often um. have really odd <laughs> endings to his movies. I mean, Violent Cop ends odd. Boiling Point and ends odd. Um, but uh, for like, to so say this is his third film and it's also moving out of his sort of comfort zone. I mean, the, the trivia section says this is his, his first film without violence. I think if you're, you're used to the sort of style of filmmaking that he, he does, especially with these early movies, where it's, everything's very sort of monotone. It's not about big action set pieces. It's just more these slice-of-life dramas. Like, Boiling Point is about a couple of kids going to get a gun to go and um, attack the local Yakuza or beating them up. And that's the whole story. It's also a film that he doesn't star in as well, so it's all just his, his young leads, but... As you said, it's a very engrossing tale. The film I really wanted to pair this with was Jack Nicholson's *The Last Detail*. Yeah, I get that. I can, I can, I can agree with that. Um, which again is uh, another film just about. It, I'm going to keep going back to it. I'm just going to say again, it's just another slice of life tale. And I think there's just something very similar between those two movies that I just sort of felt a connected sort of tissue between, even though they're very sort of different uh, topics. One's obviously about two military policemen taking a uh, a prisoner across to to a stockade and the, this one's obviously about the local uh, garbage man learning to surf and I love that there's a great scene where um, his boss is like well where is he and he's like oh he's gone surfing so then he goes and tracks him down and he's still go- he has to go in the garbage run in his wetsuit yeah yeah um, I think you know we talk we talk a lot about the surfing so the actor is his name Claude Mackey is that yes. fella's name yeah he is genuinely a, a surfer so he was I think he was picked I again I, I to imagine the story was written with him in mind but don't <coughs> don't think of this as a sort of a big Wednesday kind of thing the the waves are fairly mundane aren't they it's quite good and it's quite entertaining I don't I mean Personally, sports which are based on um, a judge's, I don't know, like gymnastics. I don't get it. Or ice dancing. Okay. I understand understand the art in them, but 
I understand sports where you beat the other person either by knocking them down or scoring more against them. You know, where there's a there's there's something that I can understand and that I don't have to be an expert in it. And and so surfing is very much one of those sports where people some judges are giving some grades you, and they've got some rules that they're going by. I don't know what they are. You just want the uh, surfing to be more like the opening of Top Secret. <laughs> they're like surfing in with the machine guns. <laughs> yeah, something so maybe if it was more like um like stock car racing but on surfboards and you were knocking people off because there's a guy in the film of course that does uh does get disqualified because he's uh gone into somebody but i was fastest yeah that doesn't matter guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i think but... if you compare this to other surf movies i think big wednesday is a real great comparison to this uh something like endless summer or endless summer 2 just this love of the sport this isn't like bullu crush or point break or the very hollywood-esque versions of these sort of tales it also frustrates me because surfers suck so they don't deserve another movie as good as this and i this is coming from <laughs> someone i grew up in in Newquay, and okay, i was a yeah. i was a skater punk and we hated the surfers because the surfers yes. felt that they ran the town and they were just absolute dicks to everyone uh be it like lo- if there was like people who they didn't class as locals they were dicks to them they hated skaters and they were like oh this is like a surf town man and it's sort of like yeah you hippie fucks <laughs> so yeah i've been to Newquay several times and it is a town that is you'll never see so many vw you will and they're normally like in broken in down Newquay. and like fouling themselves on like the, the middle of the one road because apparently we built roads enough for a horse and cart and despite many wars trying to like give us that grand uh that extreme makeover kick up the ass to rebuild things correctly we just rebuilt it all the same um so yeah new key is not fun to drive because there's room for one car and everyone wants to drive in opposite directions to each other so but yeah i uh i'm not a fan of surfers and much like big wednesday they do not deserve a movie this good (laughs) the other thing i wanted to say is and 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 it's not this um so it's i I guess you watched it on the arrow player i did watch this Um, arrow player another surprising addition for them really isn't it well, I think it's from a box set they've done of early Katano films with this and Kids Return and Dolls. And the reason I say that is, is that this sort of this... One of the things Arrow do, really nice things they do, is like they commission new art, don't they, for um, for posters. The poster, the one that I've seen, or the cover for it, is beautiful, as is the one for Dolls and Kids Return. But it's so... It's just it's just a picture of the two characters surfboard under his arm looking out at the sea, but he's faded away. It's just gorgeous, and it's in this sort of like blue and green and yellow pastel art. And I want that poster, <laughs> basically. I just, I yeah. Thank you, Mark, because it was Mark, wasn't it? That yes. Mentions. I don't think I'd ever have got round to seeing this or even been aware it existed. Because I think Katano's um, oeuvre, his CV, is about fireworks, it is about violent cop, it is about dolls, it is about sonatine. Do you know what I mean? This this is this is one that... Um, oh yeah, of course. I think it's definitely one that's slips past. I think there's other films certainly, as you said already, um, Kids Return, Dolls certainly doesn't get talked about enough, and uh, Getting Any, which is also on the Arrow player. Mm. which he made after after this film he went on to make Sonatime and he did Getting Any following that 
Um, and then later he would make his uh, his remake of uh, Zatoichi, which is phenomenal. So I would also there's recommend a, that. There's a there's there's a whole thing we haven't touched yet. Zatoichi <laughs> movies. That, yeah. Well, that is more down to Amazon because if you remember in the early days of the show. Oh yes. We yes, thought we got a really great deal, and then Amazon realised, wait, we've marked this down a little too low and cancelled everyone's orders. That's right, but there are a lot of Zatoichi movies. There's a really nice movie just called Ichi, um, which is a female version of Zatoichi with um, oh, I, uh, I can't remember her surname, but yeah, it's a really good film. But yes, he did his his own one, didn't he? Sort of um, just called Zatoichi, I think. There's a big song and dance number at the end. Mm, um, so I think Kitano is is somebody we. It's one of those directors. Sadly, we've sort of always done in passing haven't we i think so i think as when it comes to katana we've sort of registered more as an actor than as a director when he is obviously a man of many hats and many talents and i think certainly there are other films in his filmography that we will bring to the show at at, uh, some point or another and i think certainly when it comes to the katana movies i think i would it's the things like getting any or um as I mentioned earlier, Satoichi that would be leading more towards than the early sort of like Yakuza sort of flicks. I mean things like Violent Cop, I know a lot of people are sort of fans of it, but I find it um even though it's sort of like his take on Daddy Harry, it's got a real sort of roughness to it, which I never sort of like gravitated towards and I know that a lot of people were uh, did. Um especially because it came in that sort of prime sort of period of like uh, Asia Extreme and people were just like really into things and you had little offshoots like Tokyo Bullet putting out those sort of like movies and things like like Gonan which I would really also like to look at as well at some point so we see eye patch uh, wearing Hitman mm. I just I'm just looking at his uh, it looks like a fairly incomplete um, cinematic CV on Letterboxd <laughs> but his description is he's a Japanese filmmaker, comedian, singer, actor, tap dancer, film editor, presenter, screenwriter, author, poet, painter, and one-time video game designer. He's like Lionel <laughs> Blair, isn't he? <laughs> he is. It's like we 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 talk about these Hong Kong characters that that sing, dance, act, sometimes direct. The, 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 he must be the most polyglot of polyglots that exists. I think Jackie um, Chan's up there. Jackie I don't Ch- think he's done part-time, one-time video game designer or poet. But yeah, Chan, <laughs> Chan's done a lot. But I think Chan's stuff has all been within the same. Oh, also, also, obviously, traitor Jackie Chan. But oh, God, I know Chan. <laughs> no. the, the thing with Jackie Chan is that once you learn more about him and you realise that he's basically like the Kubrick of martial arts choreography. The fact that if you hear these like legendary stories where it's sort of like we're going to do like one scene and we're doing like sixteen takes of you just doing the splits that he did uh, with uh, Gary Daniels on City Hunter, mm. um, and the fact that he had um, him on a spinning platform when he was like was uh, like really sick and on this like heavy cream <laughs> that they were kept giving him. So yeah. Anyway, but but, but yeah, I'm just charming and actually you know it would have made a good episode of its own i think i think we would have we've got a lot out so i'm i'm yeah spoilers next time we do our uh add add to our top 
Are you sure? It's now a rush think... to guess who can get it first now, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think I, th- I think so, and and it's um, I think it's been a long time since we've been both so quite so enthusiastic about a yeah. movie. So yeah, so great pick, Mark. Ex- so thank you very much for pick. bringing that uh, to the show for your pick. Um, as I said, if uh, you'd like to get involved, you uh, can do. Just uh, if you go into our Ko-Fi account, um, you can. Uh, we've got full details on there of how you can get involved and uh, subject us to your own viewer roulette. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, tonight's insert music is brought to us by Sin Electric, who I had a great time doing a panel with recently over on the Quentin Tarantino um, podcast, The Church of Quentin Tarantino. Or Ch- sorry, the Church of Tarantino, which is going through and providing an in-depth breakdown of all of Quentin Tarantino's filmography, and she has uh, put out an album to inspire his tenth movie called My Crazy Eighty Eight, uh, which he recently gave Tarantino a cassette copy because he likes to listen to stuff on cassette, and she went to a screen at the New Beverly and met him in person and slipped him a cassette, and it's apparently he lost the cassette, but she's hinted that um there's been some further contact in regards to this so i'm very excited to see what sort of follow that is but in the meantime we're going to play a, a track for uh, uh from the album now i'm going to play a track right at the end as well so uh enjoy that and we're going to be back after this with our feature presentation tonight naked killer
And we're back. Uh, tonight's feature presentation is Naked Killer, a cat-free movie, which chances are, if you're a certain age, you will remember very fondly coming up, and it's probably your favourite movie, and there's probably a whole generation of you who probably never heard of it, because you missed that whole Hong Kong Legends wave. But this is also a cat-free movie which has had more special editions than I think any other cat-free movie, including the big cardboard VHS box set which came with postcards of uh, the various cast members in various states of undress with bullets and shotguns. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a movie that's associated with woke culture. Let's, let's just be very clear about it. It is a 90s, early 90s Hong Kong thriller starring the queen of the side boob and produced by Wong Jing. Let's just get that out there now. <laughs> it's, it's one for 17-year-old boys. <laughs> I'm going to read the back of the uh, DVD because I think this is the, the best description of this one. And it's a supercharged erotic action thriller combining elements of Nikita and Basic Instinct. Naked Killer unfolds the twilight existence of a super sexy female assassin who falls victim to a lethal vendetta at the hands of a rival and a lesbian lover. In famous and, and paralleled, this pulp classic fell foul of the BBFC censors for many years, who felt grieved by the movie's stylish juxtaposition of sex and violence. Now, under new guidelines, this genre classic can be finally released uncut. Rated 18. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. I did look up what they'd cut, and it wasn't particularly egregious. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, we're watching the full 92 minutes of uncut fun and games that is obviously Naked Killer. Had you seen this one before? Because I know we've oh, seen obviously yeah. Naked Weapon and we've seen Naked Army. The... Well, no, Naked what was she? Naked Assassin, wasn't she? No, it's Naked Weapon. Yeah, yeah. So we did the Maggie Q one, which is the sequel Naked Weapon. Yeah. But in one of your, in your Anthony Wong one Yeah, that was uh, Naked you... Army. It's not called Naked Army. It is called Army, Naked is Army. It's got Samuel it? Hung in it. It's basically yeah, a summer home for about movie. twenty minutes, and Nicholas Tay's sister Jennifer Tay in it. It was dreadful. But <laughs> I, well, I am guilty for bringing naked um, the the Maggie Q one. Yeah. I bought that. I I kind of like that, although it's got that awful rapey bit in the middle. Naked Army which... is most memorable for the part where Summer Hung's character uh, they tried to uh, pull a ruse on him by having someone come in as a fake bad guy, and he just batters the hell out of her <laughs> as his his method of detection is just to basically beat the hell out of the tea lady that's right yeah yeah weird weird film <laughs> naked soldier it's called not naked oh Army. naked soldier my part yeah that, that, that's okay that's okay but that's it yeah we've watched it anyway so i have seen this before i've seen this many times it's fucking hilarious <laughs> i don't know if it's erotic really but it's when they say erotic, it's just basically in the same way that erotic ghost stories deemed erotic, as in it's got softcore sexy scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's got boobs and lesbians in it. Let's let's not um, let's <laughs> not beat around the bush. That is that is nineties Hong Kong high erotic. I'm afraid, but yeah, yeah, you, you're right. Um, erotic ghost story isn't very erotic. I was I will say <laughs> that while I was rewatching this, there were portions of this film I watched on fast forward because I didn't want my wife to think that I was watching porn in the lounge <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
if you're going to watch porn, watch it in the bedroom. And there's, there's, <laughs> you, you're fast forward, and it's like, God, this is really going on a bit. And it's like eight minutes of footage. It's like you're quickly yeah. fast forwarding through. It's like, and 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 of course, the other thing again, we've talked about this before, and I'll go and use my normal anecdote. You know, this does star Ching Mai Yao, who famously is famous for being a very um, chesty young lady. Well, no, they're not ridiculously huge, but they're big for an Asian girl. Um, and also, she starred in a number of films with Simon Yam. Simon Yam just would turn up to anything, wouldn't he? Simon Yam, is, he would turn to the opening of an envelope. He's <laughs> There's a feeling that... that um, I don't know what if he had money to pay off or he just, just likes to... To act, or I have no idea why Simon Yan takes on half the the project Simon Yam does, and he still does it now. Although he directs and stuff now as well, he's done some quite yeah. good. Stuff. I mean, he's just one of those faces from nineties and two thousands Hong Kong cinema. Simon Yam is quite likely to be in it, whether it's trash or it's a Johnny Toe crime drama that we're all meant to love. He's 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 fairly ubiquitous. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess we'll. Go on, give me a rundown of the plot, mate. Oh, before I get that, I mean, I, was, I just want to go back. Such to, as it is, <laughs> I just want to go back and talk a little more about Shingmei Yu because she. I mean, obviously, yes, she is in this this movie, and you've already emphasised certain aspects of her performance already. But I mean, she's another one who came out of the beauty pageant scene. Who was originally scored for the nineteen eighty seven Miss Hong Kong beauty pageant, which we've been. There's a lot of footage of Maggie Chung recently going around it, her coming second in the. Uh, Miss Hong Kong beauty pageant. I love the fact that the person she lost to uh, ended up starring opposite her in the sequel to Heroic Trio's Executioners. So, but uh, she's mainly known for her for being in a lot of cat free movies. She did star in quite a few movies with Maggie Chung and Bridget Lin and Chung Men. Um, and she's also done films with like Jet Li, Andy Liu, Stephen Chow, and Jackie Chan. She's in City Hunter. Uh, for Steven, she's also in Raped by an Angel, which is another of these... Fa- my favourite film series. <laughs> it just always seems to be... Whenever we talk about these movies, it seems to somehow get back to that series, which there's like five of those movies, I think. I've, I've never watched any of them. I've not maybe, seen yes. any of them either, but I know that Snakey Killer 2 over here was, um, I want to say, Raped by an Angel 2. Right. Okay. They just re- they tried to do it as a cheap sort of cash in over here. So, uh, but she's also done things like Young and Dangerous too, as well. She's in Royal Tramp, um, Chow movie, and she's in uh, one of my a Jet Li movie that I really want to bring to the show as well at some point um, called Meltdown. Okay. Yeah. Um, so- which I think Stephen Chow's also in because he's sort of like a play on um, Bruce Lee. Okay, maybe. Maybe. I mean, obviously, they've both got close links with Wong Jing. I mean, she was sleeping with Wong Jing for a while, and obviously he, he brought Stephen Chow to to prominence as well, so it wouldn't be surprising if they were moving in the same circles. She's also a recipient of four Hong Kong Film Award nominations for Best Supporting Actress for Lee Rock. She got For this one, she got a nomination for Best Actress as well as in um, 96 for I'm Your Birthday Cake and 99 for Hold You Tight. Mm. And has also done the sad thing and married. I know she's retired from the industry. Yeah. So. Yeah, done done, done a a Michelle Yeoh and a 
He's a very young Leon <laughs> and just but, um, married herself out. Anyway, never mind. No, here she plays plays Kitty, um, who is a woman who has a real tender love for uh, standing uh, for stabbing men in the genitals. And she gets uh, involved with uh, Tim Mann, who is uh, played by Simon Yam, who has his own quirk as the fact that he can't hold his own gun without throwing up. Because he was uh, traumatised because he shot his uh, own brother by accident. So now every time he holds a gun, he throws up, which is real handy when you're a police officer. Just keep going. There's just so. There's just so. This is so nineties Hong Kong. It's just that's just got nothing to do with nothing. Yet they build it up that he's got this past where he shot his brother, and everyone is so fucking horrible to him on the police force. Like they, they don't. They don't. They don't sort of cover it up. Also, let's not say anything bad about him. They just call a spade a spade in front of him, and it's horrible. <laughs> so she's basically tries to he's tries to arrest her because of uh, her recent bout of uh, gentle stabbing, and she in a, a hairdresser. Yeah, exactly. With 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 the two least straight men ever, <laughs> although it, <laughs> as hairdressers who turn out to be straight, it's just weird that like, they camp it up to the nth degree, but it turns out they're trying to sleep with her mate. Oh, I don't know what's going on. It's yeah, but a. But apparently she gets let off attempting to stab him in the chest. Yeah, she manipulates all the facts. Um, so he basically has no fact, no, he has no um, option other than to basically start courting her. But he finds that she's also a cure for his impotence. So he becomes a little bit obsessed with her. At the same time, her father has married a new wife, but he's uh, she's cheating on him. And when uh, he finds out, he rubs in there. A big fight, and he ends up being killed when he falls down the stairs. Um, and she sets out to take revenge on uh, this man that uh, her stepmother has been having an affair with, called B. <coughs> and ends up not only killing him in like the most clumsy act of revenge possible, but also drawing the attention of. A woman in uh, who also happens to be visiting the office uh, by the name of Sister Cindy, who soon reveals herself to be a professional assassin and takes her on as a protege. Um, at the same time, Sister Cindy's former protege has uh, gone off on her own and uh, hooked up with her lesbian lover called Princess, and is uh, plotting revenge on Sister Cindy when she gets hired by a group of uh, yakuza who uh, Sister Cindy has recently uh, pulled a hit against. And of course the first crime scene that we visit with Simon Yam is is this other woman has that's the opening thing isn't it has um you think she's being chased she you think she's being stalked and then it turns out she's the killer and kills him and she what is it she likes to do? But it's all a bit Sorry, weird. No, because... Princess is a protege, isn't it? Yeah, Princess is a protege. Baby's her girlfriend. That's right. So Princess, Princess does the murder at the beginning of the film, and they sort of you think it's going to be a cop thriller, where they're going to hunt down this 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 super assassin who's you know who, who's sexy and 
blah 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 and naked and and actually actually she doesn't get naked either does she the only person who really gets naked in this film is the japanese girl which makes it very much like an erotic ghost story i think they have to get in japanese actresses don't they to actually do the naked stuff but which is surprising really when you consider censorship in in japan mm. Uh, mm. The fact that you have so many Japanese actresses that go over to Hong Kong and they would do the nude scenes, whereas all the Hong Kong actresses in this film, they're all covered up. There are a lot of hand bras or in uh, positions to cover things. So it's very, as I say, it's very soft erotic. But if you think back to the 90s when you saw this, this would have been a lot of sex. Because we haven't got the internet, we haven't got, <laughs> we didn't have access to pornography. So this would have been no, quite it's... thrilling at the time. And it's you know it's riffing on other films at the time. You talked about you, know, you talked about what was on the back cover. You know, Basic Instincts happened, right? I'm guess that's the film that's inspired this film to get made. I think they're fairly contemporaneous. I'm sure, Wong Jing saw that and thought, right, I want I, I want a bit of that, which again is softcore porn dressed up as a thriller. Yeah. Um, again, this is what happens when you bring Europeans over to direct Hollywood movies because that's Vernerhoven. It is, um, and yeah, Vernerhoven's yeah. obviously coming from the Dutch market, and the Dutch themselves have like no qualms about sex and nudity, like a lot of Europe. Um, Paul Verhoeven made the fucking Fourth Man, and he doesn't care about what gender or anything. And and there's a there's another cock there's another cock stabbing film for us if we ever want to do Dutch cinema. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> oh dear, but yes, it's you're right. It was the not it was the early nineties. I probably didn't see it till a bit later, but yeah, there's there's a ton of films like this, and Wong Jing is responsible for about eighty percent of them. Um, and it's not, it's not like as exploitative as some of the other films, and it's it's just like I don't know, it's like Page Three, isn't it? That's what it is. It's Page Three erotica. It's boobies. Oh yeah, definitely. With this, when it comes to this film, it is basically just girls with guns, just with added nudity. So it plays a lot into a lot of the tropes that we see with the girls of guns things such as um, Yes Madam, for example. Um, so you're going to see all the sort of shootouts are very much like John Woo. Nobody ever reloads. There's lots of acrobatics and people firing randomly off and doing rather, rather impressive sort of like gun foo. Yeah, and there's a lot of blue lighting and Dutch camera angles and synthesizers. You know, some the 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 you know the music producer got a new fucking Casio tone for Christmas and decided to use it. it but it doesn't make it horrible. It just means it's it just is what it is, right? You just accept. It. You just accept it. This is a B movie, right? Or a C movie? It's a Wong Jing movie. <laughs> it is a Wong Jing movie. <laughs> I think this is this is the thing. There's so many elements of this film that I really like. Um, and I think there's some, a real charm to the stupidity. And if you watch it with the dub track, it only adds to that stupidity even further. Because this is a real sort of 90s dub track that you get with this one. Um, but the actual scenes of... When it gets into like the Nikita scenes where you've got... You've got uh, Sister Cindy who's teaching Kitty to be the super assassin. And she's got this really unique way of training her which includes locking her in the basement with enraged paedophiles uh, that she has to yeah. kill so again it comes back to the same as naked weapon it really doesn't it where uh, yeah. you had that really 
awful rape sequence, which added nothing to the film. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, Sister Cindy apparently has paedophile men <coughs> chained up downstairs. But they're like foaming at the mouth like uh, yeah. dope addicts, aren't they? <laughs> or, or zombies or something. Yeah. But I don't think they know what a paedophile is because I don't think Jimmy Yao is what they're after. <laughs> but, never mind. Yeah, that's it, it is. It is. There's just this batshit ideas. Again, it's just this era of filmmaking. You know, like like Simon Yam vomiting every time he picks up a gun. The chained up paedophiles is in that. It's just like that morning. That would be a good idea if we did that. <laughs> can we do how quickly can we make this scene there's a lot but, there's yeah. a lot of things in this film which seem like this would be like a real great out scene such as the scene where you have princess and kitty have a fight scene but it's in a swimming pool have you yeah. ever tried to kick someone in a swimming pool <laughs> this yeah. is like one of the things you can yes it visually it may look very cool to have a fight scene in a swimming pool but the logistics of the thing and it still becomes very clear like how this plan isn't working and it's just Done for pure titification, or pure titillation, mm. really, isn't it? So I think titification is a good word that you've coined here, though. <laughs> titification. <laughs> I, think, I think I think that's exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> but when Kelly's obviously sent off on her first mission to murder this member of the Japanese Yakuza, and we see her doing the training sequence, it's that's really cool. And the fact that they're Terrence and Sister Cindy, they've got this whole setup where they're going to go and meet him at a nightclub and they're going to use the razor snare to decapitate him but they're doing it like they're doing a dance I thought that was really cool the introduction of princess and her girlfriend baby you look at those two and you think great we've got a cool but we've got two great psychopaths and they've even got like two henchmen who they bullet constantly and it's all like they show them in the gym just working out and it's sort of like She's there blessing them and going, oh, men are stupid. And they come across and go, yes, we're stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah, this film's quite funny. I, I I have assumed that it's a comedy. I wrote this, <laughs> I wrote this down. Yeah, I'm assuming it is meant to be an erotic comedy because... That way you can explain some of the weird things. You just, like, you just, I've forgotten, I had forgotten about that scene in the gym with the himbos <laughs> announce themselves. And like I say, sort of some of the things about it. Yeah, I may, 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 maybe that's the best way to read this. Um, this, is a co- this is a comedy yeah. for sure. And surprisingly, Clarence Fock, who directed this movie, was also once asked by producer Mario Casar to direct Basic Instinct 2. So maybe you saw this movie, it's like, you know what? I think you're on the right track. But he's actually from Canada. He is, yes. He's one of those expats. I mean, he has. Ma- he's another one that's made some fucking dreadful things. But then I see he was the director of Special ID, which is a really cool, fairly modern um, uh, Donnie Yen film. I hadn't realised it was from the same director. Doesn't yeah, he that. did uh, the original version of Crime Freeman, Dragon from Russia, mm-hmm. um, which he made just after this one because that's no sorry he made it just before this one because that's 1990 and Naked Killers 92 um, he also did Cheap Killers as well which I like and you mentioned Special ID didn't you so yeah yeah I really like Special ID um, it's a film I might like to go he also he also made a Wisely movie just tying it into our seventh um, <coughs> our, uh, what was it called seventh guess no seventh curse episode 
Um, he made Young Wisely too. Um, but, um, and he also did Iceman Cometh, which has just recently got a release through uh, eighty-eight, I believe. Has it now? That's um, Young Bao and Maggie Chung, yes. isn't it? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So he's not. Um, Actually, I'm going to be quite. I, I, I sort of rushed over it, you know, the fact that the, the, the classic 90s lighting, the Dutch angles. It's well made, right? The, the you know, we don't have great action stars here or anything like that, but it's a well made, well shot, good looking movie. It's scrubbed up nice, right? I, 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 I assume you didn't watch it on your VHS. No, no, I didn't watch the VHS. <laughs> I actually watched, I watched the, I watched the, the DVD version. Uh, this, right. one, this was the Hong Kong Legends edition. Gotcha. Um, so this is the uncut version, but I, to be honest, I think it's it's just more the sexy scenes that they put back into it. Um, especially when you look at that eight-minute sex scene in the in the third quarter of this movie, which is cause about an hour into it for <laughs> anyone looking for the gratification shot in this scene. <laughs> there are there are websites that do that, aren't there? What? That's, in fact, there's a book, isn't Mr. there? Mr. Skin. Did. Is that what Mr. Skin it, it charts was... nudity in films. That's right, and you go, you know, to go to 60 minutes and 38 seconds for this. Yes. Um, but, yeah, this is, the, I think this is the same problem we have with, like, a rather ghost story. The actual story part is really good. It's just a shame that the producers and the director and whoever else is responsible in the decision-making process for this film will just won't pinpoint it exactly because there could be a number of guilty parties responsible for this but all the sort of action and the drama parts to an extent are all really enjoyable and then we have to have these breaks for the the cat free moments all the the sex scenes and stuff which don't really add a huge amount to this film but obviously would have been a big selling point for this film both when it came out and when it was obviously re-released through Hong Kong Legends it's uh, just any thing that sort of appeals to that sort of cat free audience it's uh, sort of the main things that they, they sort of look for really yeah and to be fair yes there is the whole male gaze thing right and there's a lot of leery stuff and aren't lesbians great and that whole kind of thing but the women are in power here right? oh yeah it's Whether definitely it's, so yeah it's the men who are getting their genitals scissored it's men i think are nearly all the victims <coughs> of um princess um and there is this kind of thing that they're all men that deserve it isn't it so all sister all the sisters um whatever her name is um, uh, the victim, she said, sort of says that oh no, they all deserved it, which is the the classic thing where you can get a redemption of your lead character. But it's yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's female empowering, but there are much worse examples of this kind of Cat Three cinema being more leery, more rapey, all those horrible, you know, some of those things. I mean, that's talk about the you know the the pseudo sequel you know naked naked um <coughs> weapon that that was distasteful when when that that bit happened it this, was this it's just this this is this is 90s fanar fanar bizarre magazine loaded loaded magazine sort of stuff and and it's this it's it, w- it wouldn't fly today but it's fairly harmless 
No, I, I mean, I mean so the girls with guns drama is always very exciting. And as, a, as I said already, the, those bits of the film are really enjoyable. There's an interesting subplot about poison lipstick because they're female assassins, cause, so of course they have to. I mean that's that's a trope, right? The poison lipstick trope. I mean, I'm sure this this isn't the first film I've seen that. The in. only other film one I could think of was uh, Batman and Robin with poison ivy. Yeah, I think it is a poison ivy thing. That's maybe where I'm coming from. Um, yes, but. and the the scene where she's she poisons Sister Cindy, and Sister Cindy, she's like, "Don't you try and swallow your tongue," and then breaks her jaw. Um, yeah. Which has a nice sort of sadistic element to Princess, but the big showdown is such a, a letdown. There's more. Ex- for some reason, she turns up with a bunch of uh, random henchmen who've had no. been nowhere near this film until the finale, but they're just there to sort of add to the big shootout at the end. Um, and then we get the. I mean, I've got to say, right? This is a film that we. before we, before we get to it, where it sets up. There are sexy women killers, right? There's at least two of them, and Sister Cindy as well. So there's three of them. And they all get trained up and then just fight each other instead of being sexy sexy killers. They just... they just. I, I don't really understand the vendetta. I, I, I didn't really understand why the second half of the film was just them all trying to kill each other. But... Maybe I'm stupid, or maybe I'm not Wong Jing. I'm not Wong Jing, definitely not. But it was weird. But yes, yes, they had. They sorry, I interrupted That's you. Fine. Let's get back to the finale. Uh, yeah, and we get enough of those finales where it just ends, which I'm not going to spoil. But it's just say that it just ends, and it felt like oh. Yeah, um, it, it, as 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 with so many of these movies, the money runs out or the time you know can't be longer than a hundred minutes, and that probably is part of it. Yeah, yeah. That there are there probably are, you know, there probably are times that they need to hit to get those films into the cinema. And we talked about it before, I think, when we look at the 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 straight to video market in in Japan that Takashi Miike. <laughs> and others have got famous in. I love um, um, as well the fact that, like in that real traditional Hong Kong uh, uh, method of the way we see a lot of like nineties Hong Kong cinema, uh, where they show the best bits of the movie in the end credits. Oh yes, yes <laughs> of course. Yes. Which scenes do they focus on for the end credit? <laughs> it's all like if you've not seen enough naked Ching Wei Yu, here's some more for you. Yeah. So we get it's... to see her and Simon Yam romancing it up it's it knows its audience i've already said it it's for young when i said 17 year old boys it's probably for 14 year old boys but it's not it's it's entertaining isn't it and it's kind of well made and i'm not i I want the the elements of the plot i just want to slag off (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the random stuff like I still don't understand the whole why Simon Yam is how he is I just don't understand what they thought I guess it's so he doesn't shoot anybody I guess that's the point it just, just seems a very roundabout way don't make him a policeman done <laughs> it's just weird but it's not, it's, not, it's not terrible I think it of the three that we've watched in the in the, <laughs> the naked, naked trilogy. series um, I this this and and Naked Weapon are 
both entertaining. Okay. I think that's as far as I'm going to go. Yeah. Six out of ten, sort of thing. You know. I am. Um, I have to say though, we it's amazing how he magically overcomes his inability to use guns for the finale. Which just made me think of that scene in Hot Shots Part Two, where he's all like, "Thanks, Tuffer, I can kill again." <laughs> you was well, yes, and yes, and he hasn't lost any of his skills, has he? He's oh no, he's very, like very super accurate when he needed to be. It's oh my god, it's it's real Ringo Lamb territory. This one goes into it's almost like watching Full Contact again, where they're shooting bullets out of the air. It obviously has that cap free rating. I mean, it's obviously. Not the most notorious cat-free movie out there, but I would say it certainly plays up its sexy elements. Uh, so if you're looking for something that's giving you girls and guns and naughtiness, then I think it certainly d- still delivers on that, even though it's very sort of like 90s softcore. So don't go expecting anything too explicit uh, with that. But um, yeah, I would say that it's certainly when it comes to cat-free movies, I think this is certainly on the lower end of the offensiveness scale there's certainly a lot worse movies that you can you can dig out for this one certainly not the most bizarre cat free movie out there which I would say is still Love and a Puff yeah well which is yeah. just people okay. really <laughs> love smoking <laughs> there's as much as into each other as they are into smoking which I, you can go back and listen to that episode in the archive but yeah, I mean this. This is from a different era of Cat Three, but yeah, it's 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 far less offensive than some of the other movies we've talked about. It just it just just does it's it just it's just a '90s lads movie, ticking all those. Wow. It's yeah, like Loaded Magazine. That's what it feels like, and it doesn't necessarily play very well today. But I don't think anyone got hurt during the making of it. It's also amusing when you look at the the cult of cat free and how if you speak to people from like hong kong and, and that there's like it's just an age rating why are you like the americans and the brits so obsessed with like cat free cinema well yeah we fetishize it we do it's we? kind of um, like the video nasties list we sort of like by having like cat free rating it's sort of like you're highlighting it as something special mm. yeah i mean i i i watched um x you know the the Oh, the Thai West. The, the, the Thai yeah, West. Yeah, I've watched that the week. other day. Yeah, um, and that is that's film in a way is fetishizing the X rating, um, in a sort of postmodern way. Um, it's an A twenty four movie, so <laughs> it, it, it is. It's actually really good, by the way. <laughs> Spoilers. I really enjoyed it, and I'm not a huge, huge horror movie fan, but yeah, we we do fetishize it. Um, of course, some of that is because I guess in the UK we had the X rating, and 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 we also had um, a double A as well, which was which is another one. And, and now we just keep. It's like a game of life, you know. You start off with U and fifteen and. 18 and then suddenly there's pg and then there's 12 and and oh it's 12a isn't it now and, it's 12a because um spider-man yeah and 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 15 was invented for gremlins i think you know it, it's um we do that but america still very much has that kiss of death doesn't it if a film gets the adult rating um which is why i guess they 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 might it used, it yeah, I think it used the R rating was something that they would like actively avoid, and then was it Deadpool comes out that makes 
bank with uh, an R rating. So now I think the they're going back and like that's where you have like Logan's got an R rating mm. because they realize that you know you can't certain movies can make money because that's what it basically boils down to is like how can we make the most money? Well, it's it's all about will will, will that film play in the deep south? Will they put it on in the cinema in the deep south? And or, or can they, will the international market rescue? Yeah, and you're right, Deadpool completely bucked the trend hugely and and they fought really hard didn't they and most of that's around language well that than... language of violence yeah but it's comedy violence isn't it <laughs> <Deadpool. laughs> any any anyway yes it's a very good point there is a there is a western fascistic approach to cat 3 and some cat 3 films are horror films and some cat 3 films are sexy films and and some of them you think what the hell why are you making this such a big deal out of this and some of it's like I think you need a cat seven <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that when you think of like all this time that we spend like chasing after cat freeze and it's sort of like if we just looked at Italian cinema Italians were doing it way worse than anyone else were oh my god yeah for sure in both of, you know both in Sex films in terms of because it's the thing they loved uh, all the American horror. directors. They loved like Romero and and uh, this is the thing with like they saw like Romero's uh, Dawn of the Dead and then they go off and make like Zombie and it's sort of like wow the the Americans are doing this we could just totally go a lot harder on this and you have the like Sofucci and Lamberto um, mm. and you have like the Polizzi genre and you've got like zombie movies and demon movies and. Like and Jallo, yeah, Jallo, which is basically, I think, is the closest to like what this movie is, which is just like gratuitous sex violence in a thriller, which yeah, I think now the, the Norwegians the, have taken over. So, in in a slightly more dour way, and everyone keeps on their duffel coat, but um, <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> it's very cold. But yeah, yeah, but Italians, absolutely, Italian cinema is, you know, there's. In terms of sex, in terms of violence, in terms of sort of that fetishized violence as well, um, Dario Argento, I think you mentioned him yep. already. Yep. Pe- pe- people like that, the horror movies, um, which X actually plays. Um, it does. It does. Uh, it does uh, reference uh, the most famous scene, I would say, in a in a Italian horror movie. I love as well when you meet Italian directors and they produce some of the most horrible, disgusting works, but they're the nicest people. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm just thinking. I've seen that. The, when you go to uh, so- oh, Argento's, um, got his museum. I think it's in Rome, mm. and he's got the goofy doll from uh, from Deep Red in there, which he was really oh, attached right. to. And it's all like, why, why <laughs> you got this goofy ass doll in your musician? This is weird in the film, and it's weirder still. You've <laughs> you've got it pride and place in your museum. We need to move away from Italian cinema. I've just had a thought about 100 Days of Salo, whatever it's called, and all the fucking shit oh. eating. And God, that's a gross film. Oh. So. But making a point about fascism, but still, I, 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 can, I can have other metaphors, please. So. But no, this, <laughs> this would not be our last jaunt into cat-free cinema. Um, not at all. Is this a cat-free movie out there you think we should be checking out? Then uh, let us know and we will consider it because i know what some of those movies are and i know what it's going to look like when it appears in our feed and as yeah we we probably won't do the raped by an angel box set right <laughs> no the fact that anti-porno is still missing off the apple servers 
Is it not showing? Nope. It shows in every single server, and I've had a number of people going, why is there an episode missing? And it's like, it's because Apple has censored us. Oh, interesting. You should just change it to the Japanese characters. Then no one will find thing. it. <laughs> well, yeah, true. If people are searching, if, well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to search for our episodes. You should just be uh, subscribed to us, and then you get them all. There you go. Anything else you want to bring up with this one? I don't think so. You know, I, 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 I don't know if I've been positive or negative against it. I did kind of enjoy it. That's the thing. It's, it's not horrible. Um, and again, another Wong Jing off the. Uh, it probably won't be appearing in our top 200 I'm going to tell you that now <laughs> and it's a, it's a shame really isn't it because we did seem by the sea and they're so different yep that it, I think I think it, anyway no I, I I liked it enough well enough you got your steak and you got your cheesecake Indeed. it's been a full course tonight it has um, but yes that's uh now Snakey Killer. I said, if you're into collectibles, there is the VHS collectible box set, which is uh, another box set that doesn't fit on the shelf. But it comes with uh, not only the video, but you also get some collectible puzzle cards as well, which I'm sure you have great joy sticking up in your lounge, no doubt, in a nice frame. Or were you even going to display that box set? I have no idea, but I know at my old video store they had it right behind the counter. And when they were closing, was it? just sitting <laughs> behind there. And I wasn't sure it's there to rent or or what. So daring somebody to get when it they were out closing there. it, I did like I'd never quite got the uh, guts to ask him how much they wanted for it. So, but uh, as I said, it's um, it is available. You can pick it up really easily on DVD um, or wherever you happen to get your movies. It's. But um, I think it's still worth checking out. Checking out, it's obviously got that. I wouldn't. Charm. I wouldn't be surprised, right, if eighty-eight films pick it up in the next year, and there'll be a lovely twenty-five-pound Blu-ray with posters and stuff. I, 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 I just feel. Well, it's like a right stacked disc that you get if you get mm. the Hong Kong Ledger ones. Uh, however, the DVD speeches is like packed up with all that usual nonsense that they used to sell as special features, like chapter selection, Dolby yeah. Audio. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I, I, you do have an interview think, with uh, Wong Jing and Simon Yam. You get commentary from Clarence Ford and Hong Kong stuntman Jude Proyer. Um, there's a Ching Man Yu uncovered essay, an interview with Clarence Ford, and there's the usual trailer archives and animated menus. I mean, that, that's quite a lot for a Hong Kong Legends DVD, right? Um, but I just, yeah, I just it just feels right up their alley. I mean, this is. However sniffy I might be about it, this is a classic of its time. Yeah, it, it's it's it has 19... its place, doesn't it? It, it it's it's it, it, it's you know from, from the people that are in it, the history behind it, and just the the type of film it is. It absolutely does, and you know it's no worse than Robotrix or whatever it was. Eighty eight films put out for or erotic ghost story or anything <laughs> like that. They're in the they're in that same. They're on the path now, aren't they? They are. I, yeah, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised. Cool. So that's the end of our episode tonight. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to listen to us. Leave us a review. Let's know what you think of the show. It all helps raise the profile of the show. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Come say hi to us there. And you can check out our blog, which is asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com. 
And uh, thank you as always to our sponsor, Yes Please Vintage. Um, check out uh, Lindsay's collection of great uh, collectibles and fashion over at uh, yespleasevintage.com. And uh, also thank you to Cinelectric uh, for providing our incidental music tonight, uh, which we will be playing out another track from tonight. But Stephen, it is your turn to choose our selection for next week. It is. Um, and I'd forgotten, but it's all right. Great. I got... I got two choice. Now I got two choices, right? Um, the lovely new release of Police Story Three Supercop came through my letterbox today. But what actually that made me realise there was another DVD, Blu-ray that I bought a while ago that I still haven't watched. Um, so we're not going to do Supercop, <laughs> but we will do eventually. But I don't think... I think it's been far too long since we've um, looked at a Sammo Hung-directed movie starring Jackie Chan and um, Yuen Biao. So I would like us to look at 1984's Wheels on Meals. Very exciting. Featuring a showdown with Benny the Jet. Indeed. Indeed, yes. But uh, yeah, I've had I've had the Blu-ray for a little while. I thought we had it all through lockdown. And I think it's time to watch it. And this will force me to do so. Fantastic. Uh, so that's obviously coming up on our next episode. But until then, thank you as always for listening. Thanks to my co-host, Stephen. It's a pleasure. And we'll be back time. We'll be back next time to talk about wheels on meals. Mm-hmm.